Hello, hello, and welcome to All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. It's actually um, a pretty somber day today as we record since um, yesterday, the May 14th Buffalo Mass shooter was sentenced to 11 life sentences. Which, that sounds about right there. Sounds like one for each life and then one for luck. Yeah, it's like, have fun with that guy. It was a fun little little hearing yesterday. There was the... uh, the guy trying to get to him. Yeah. So, you know, that was it. That was would have been nice if that guy could have just got one satisfying connector punch. Yeah. But I mean, these poor people, I do not I do not judge anyone in grief. Oh, Grief no. takes you on a terrible journey, and I feel like each person has to has to do their own thing. Yeah. I mean, it feels it kind of sounds bad, but I always kind of root for them when the people make that run. Like, you know, you, you see it occasionally where people are like, oh, the guy killed so-and-so, and then they make the run for him in the thing. It's like, ah. All right. Maybe everybody's moving a little bit half speed to slow him down or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. This didn't work their cardio that morning. I don't know. These... These mornings are tough. They More em. mass shootings than days of the year so far is is a lot to swallow. Yeah. But well, that's that's our reality for you. At least they got this guy. At least they put this one away pretty quickly. Like yeah, that's true. I mean, sometimes it takes forever. Yeah, I kind of was surprised at how fast they moved along with it. I mean, not like there's any question about. There was no question about guilt or anything. But it's good they got him like in and out. Like yeah, they have fun in jail. I'm sure yeah, you but have a good Jacob. Time. He says he's sorry. Oh, well, in that case. In that case. Oh, gee, buddy. But anyway, moving on from that, um, we did not want to close out the month without some sort of celebration of Black History Month um, in the U.S. So Jacob and I today have gathered a broad sampling of books by black authors that either just hit the shelves or will be hitting the shelves in 2023. So we're keeping it fresh to death. We're going to write some new ones out here for you guys. We're trying to keep up the new books. We don't want to keep repeating the same ones year after year. So we're yeah. going to switch it up for you. And absolutely. And because people you know, say like, oh, you can celebrate Black History Month every month, we have divided our list mm-hmm. of books released by each month. That's right. You don't even have to think about it. We'll let you know what book you can be reading in each month. We even got uh, the one for like last month as well. So you can go back in time or you can go to next year, whichever you prefer. You want to go back? You want to go forward? Do you want to stay in this month? We're I, here for you. I mean, I'd rather get out of it. Get closer, faster we get out of February, <laughs> the closer we get to like uh, springtime. So that's all. That's well, you got to get it. through Smarch first. So oh, Lousy Smarch. Lousy Smarch. Um, but do keep in mind, so this is an early sampling of books because fall book announcements are just rolling out. So we kind of hit about midsummer, yeah. and we and teeter off a bit. But it's a great chance to discover new books by black authors. And then um, we have some first-time authors, and then there are some well-known-to-you authors. So that's what we're doing. And this, we said midsummer, not midsummer. So there will be no uh, there will be no. Uh, bear burnings going on or anything with our books so everybody relax a little bit yeah that's that's a good call i feel like thank you to all the listeners who stick around for the book episodes we know they're not as enticing as the movie ones there's no clips there's no terrible things that jacob enjoyed but yeah you know books are great a little dry at times but they're definitely (laughs) wanting um up that iq you should be rocking with the books anyway so so we're here we go so the for January for if you want to read something for each book of the month here we are talking about the survivalists by Kashana Kali 
this is on my to-read list. Um, so in the wake of her parents' death, Aretha, who is a habitually single black lawyer, has had only one obsession in life, and that is success. Mm-hmm. Until she falls for Aaron, this coffee entrepreneur. Sounds like a love guys story, sling- right? Guys over here slinging beans, man. <laughs> so moving into his Brooklyn brownstone to live along with his Hurricane Sandy traumatized illegal gun stockpiling, optimized soy protein eating, bunker building roommates. That's a lot of adjectives right there. Right? So she kind of moves in with a really eclectic group of people and she's finding that her dreams of making partner are kind of slipping away being replaced by this underground world. One of selling guns and training for a doomsday that may be just around the corner. So this is if you haven't gathered, it's a darkly humorous novel, but it's really unafraid to ask questions that are relevant to a new generation of Americans which is does it make sense to climb the corporate ladder? Um, what exactly are the politics of gun ownership? And in a world where it is, sorry, but nearly impossible for young people to earn enough money to afford stable housing, what does it take in order to survive? So this is a really timely book, and I am super excited it's to read it. A little bit of light reading there. There's not not at all <laughs> like some deep stuff going on. In and that that's the best when you put that in fiction where you're like, oh, I'm enjoying a story, but these things are also slipping in where you're like, oh, I really do have to think about the bigger things. Yeah. And that author was like, I'm not going to even bother with the second book. I'm just going to put all of it in this first one and yeah. just get it out here for everybody. There it is. It, Take it in. There's a lot going on there. I actually kind of like uh, how much description is going on. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds great. So, my dude, what is your January black author pick? All right. So, uh, for my pick, I'm going to go with uh, Driving the Green Book, A Road Trip Through the Living History of Black Resistance by Elvin Hall. So okay, nonfiction. I like it. Everybody's kind of got the idea about like what the green book is. Mm-hmm. Um, we all saw the mediocre Best Picture winner from a couple <laughs> of years ago that everybody kind of forgets was uh, the winner. We're looking at you, Fablemans, five years from now. Oh, boy. Um, so, what this book, basically, if you don't know what the green book is, it was like a book that um, African-Americans in the South would use about like places when they're traveling, places you want to avoid, you want, and places you could actually go to that were safe and reliable for you. That were black friendly. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, and big surprise here, racism is a problem in the, in the past in the South. So there were whole areas where if you went there as a black person, if you're lucky, you would only get verbally abused, but things could go a whole lot worse for you. So well, at least at least that's over, Jacob. Oh yeah, we, no no more worries about that. Um, so uh, this one centers around uh, award-winning broadcaster and educator Alvin Hall as he sets out uh, to record dramatic memories that he made throughout his time. Um, basically, it's just his travels between 1936 and 1967 as he was going through the South using the Negro Mo- Motorist Green Book, which was the official title mm-hmm. of it. Um, so basically, it's just his travels throughout the South about places he went that were in the book, um, his experiences with people in that area, as well as the unfortunateness of if you get off of the path a little bit, yeah. exactly what that meant for you. Because it could sometimes be a matter of like life or death if you went to the wrong location down there. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fascinating. I'm not sure if there are other people talking about that, about their specific experiences. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's a thing where the fact that this book was needed at all is a little appalling, but the, that people didn't have it at the beginning, so over time it was like 
it built on itself. So people would say, oh, this place turns out that it used to be bad, now it's good, or it was good, now it's bad. Or I mean, really, it was a really crucial Yeah, so thing. it's it's a really cool, cool but horrifying idea that was set throughout history. So this one just gives you another perspective of somebody who had a whole like professional career that spanned three decades. I mean, that went over stuff like the Civil Rights Movement was in there, mm-hmm. uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. was in there. Um, so it gives you another idea about what it was like to travel in those times. And let's like fingers crossed. We don't get anywhere near that with any other group, man. Cause not, yeah, no, let's not, just not good, <laughs> move on from not, that. Not good. At all right. All. That sounds good. So those were our January releases. What came out in February that you should be reading? Well, how about the house of Eve by Sadequa Johnson? So we have 1950s Philadelphia. 15-year-old Ruby Purcell is on track to becoming the first in her family to attend college in spite of having a mother more interested in keeping a man than raising a daughter. But a taboo love affair threatens to pull her back down into poverty and desperation that, you know, it seems like it's almost been passed to her like a birthright. Mm -hmm. So now we have Eleanor Quarles. She arrives in Washington, D.C. with ambition and secrets, and when she meets the handsome William Pride at Howard University, they fall madly in love. But William hails from one of D.C.'s elite wealthy black families, and I mean, I mean, his parents don't just let anyone into their fold, so oh, you're getting not. some judgment there. So Eleanor hopes that a baby will make her finally feel at home in William's family and grant her the life that she has been searching for. Um, but, you know, that is easier said yeah, than done. I mean, it, it, who doesn't know that when you add a baby into a rough home life, it, <laughs> always, it always fixes all the problems. So when these two people's stories collide in really unexpected ways, Ruby and Eleanor will both make decisions that shape the trajectory of their lives. I know I've mentioned this before, but I love when books have multiple characters on separate timelines or, or just lives that kind of intersect then i love that yeah, you got that nice little sliding doors moment i'm a where big fan like overlaps <laughs> and runs into each other yeah so that is house of eve that is out now go get it see this you guys getting getting more little books here for you but you know what <laughs> everything go- is little something with you well little book little movie the little rare thing the here. rare chance that i get to read books nowadays they usually have to be the shorter ones because i'm always like running around and stuff oh now you mean I- Physically little, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got a chance to run out like a good Ken Follett book in a while, so <laughs> I feel like i got to do that. I haven't done that in a while. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, moving on for that one. Um, so the next one for February, I actually have The Education of Kendrick Perkins, which is actually a memoir. Do you know uh, who Kendrick Perkins is? I do not. So he is one of the most popular anchors on ESPN. He's a basketball journalist. Okay. Uh, he actually spent 14 years in the NBA. And was actually a starting center for the 2008 uh, Boston Celtics when they won the NBA championship. Uh, okay, wow. So the guy actually knows you know, what he's talking about. Um, Hall of Fame player, not really, but still a really good player in the league. But what's more interesting about him, aside from the fact that his career kind of took off more so after he became an analyst, was like his life in general before that. So he was abandoned by his father. And then he got orphaned when his mother was murdered back when he was a kid. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. It's a great start. So he was raised by his grandparents in uh, Texas. And then he left um, his home at the age of 18 when he was drafted out of high school um, by the Celtics. So 
that's not always happened. Like they don't really players don't get usually drafted right out of high school. I feel like it's better when they don't, honestly, like when they get that college education. But it is both as for expanding your boundaries and for making you a better player. But mm-hmm. he was one of them. So one of the hard parts about coming into the NBA as a, like one of these high recruited players is everybody kind of expects you to be really good right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had the unfortunate thing that when he came in the league, he was playing against people like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. <laughs> Kevin Garnett, Shaquille O'Neal was still kicking around. Kevin I mean, Durant was around. Of course. Paul. He's a little, and he's like 18. Yeah, so <laughs> you can imagine what that was like. So, you know, it goes into his life in basketball, which is an interesting part. Um, but it also points out that as he was growing up in Boston, which is notoriously a fun city for African-American <laughs> people to grow up in, um, he had kind of an awakening awakening. I got it there, awakening. Yeah, it's still early. Um, the consciousness of larger issues that were affecting uh, people. So he he goes on about how a lot of the NBA players grew up in broken families and difficult circumstances, um, history of slavery, and how the trauma affects generations of black life. Uh, it also goes into, like, the truths told by writers like uh, James Baldwin, Ralph Ellison, Richard Wright. You know, we these are guys we've talked about a lot on this yeah. show. Um, false myths about black families and fatherhood. And, you know, he gets into how the George Floyd case, like, forced a reckoning about race in America. We all remember when that, like, still kind of going on, but when that really kicked off the whole Black Lives Matter movement. So this is a book that's more about, is it is more about than just basketball. It goes on about, like, life, race in America, told by a guy who's actually got a very interesting um, voice and, sub- and view on the matter. So, you know, it, it's not just an athlete book. Um, check it out, man. You might like all what right. you see. I'll keep it in mind. I don't read a lot of the sports guy books, but you, you usually, never know. Usually it's not it's like, oh, I learned how to deflate balls, yeah. and then I married a supermodel. Oh, boy, here was, we go. I, I, don't, I am uh, the total best. I did not I did not divorce this my— This exhausting. I did not play a terrible last season just to get out of my marriage and children. Are you Are you done? Uh, I was going to go oh, on about the, the TB12 okay. method. Is okay. that, is, yeah. <laughs> are you okay? Uh, Do you feel better you got that out? Uh, not okay, yet. I'm gonna be getting out, okay. get out of my system. Okay, all right. Let me move <laughs> on to worst. a book that's coming up in March. So we have Lone Women by Victor Lavelle. This is kind of like a haunting new version of the American West. Okay. Um, so we have Adelaide Henry who carries an enormous steamer trunk with her wherever she goes. Ooh. I already like the setup of this uh, that's, character. That's a cool beginning. <laughs> yes. Um, it is locked at all times because when the trunk is opened people around her start to disappear. All right, so, so good, good reason to keep the, cl- keep the cover closed. The year is 1914, and Adelaide is in trouble. Her secret sin killed her parents and forced to, her to flee her hometown of Redondo, California, in this like real hellfire rush, ready to make her way to Montana and become a homesteader. So dragging this trunk with her at every stop, she will be one of the lone women taking advantage of the government's offer to free land um, mm. for anyone who can cultivate it. Except that Montana. Adelaide <laughs> isn't alone. Ooh. And the secret she tried so desperately to lock away might be the only thing keeping her alive. So this book is blending historical fiction and inventive horror. So and it sounds pretty cool. It I can't lie. What's cool, in actually. the What's in the trunk? I know we gotta get what's our, in the trunk. We gotta get our Brad Pitt screaming <laughs> voices in there. Oh. But it sounds pretty cool. So yeah, 
God. little early scary season in March. What is more terrifying, your mystery trunk or having to live in Montana in 1914? I would think I'd take my chances with the trunk. I don't know. Montana you. sounds amazing. Like you're just there's nothing around you, and you just have like horses on your farm. There, I don't know. It doesn't sound that terrible. Montana's beautiful. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You can see from one end of the state to the other. <laughs> just from stand it's on one It's really part. cold. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to live in a boring state that's freezing <laughs> where I can go ride a, cow, a horse everywhere. Your, the, the energy you bring this early in the morning, I'm glad your rage is always I, still I'm there. In but. A, I'm in a grumpy mood about the <laughs> middle of the country. I, I, I'm blaming them for uh, this cold snap that's popping through. Okay, you do that. Give us a March book. All right, so the one I'm going to go with is Not So Perfect Strangers by L.S. Stratton. Mm-hmm. So the basically the thesis of this book, um, the base, the quote is, I'm a big believer that women should help each other. Okay. Um, so that's what it is. So uh, Tasha Jenkins um, has finally found the courage to leave her abusive husband. Mm-hmm. So she's, t- her, she's taking her and her uh, teenage son, and they're getting out of D.C. So they check into a hotel the night before their flight, and as they're um, getting ready to um, drive to the airport, another woman runs up to her door and starts banging on the glass. It's a white lady that comes up to her. Okay. Um, right behind her is another person that's like chasing her. Um, the lady's like begging to be let in, so oh, Tasha man. doesn't really know what to do. But when you see a person chasing somebody, it might be you gotta let them in. Yeah, you don't want to kind of like leave them out to that. So she lets her in, and. This decision about letting her in kind of alters the rest of both of their lives. So the rest of it is just kind of they're dealing with the everyday realities of like being in these abusive relationships, the effect it has, how it's not just a racial thing. Like it's not just black women or white women. Everybody has to kind of deal with this thing. So they both want to help each other, but they kind of have different ideas of particularly what that's going to mean. So. Eventually, this whole case kind of leads into a murder mystery. So it leads him to a homicide involving the D.C. and uh, MPD. Um, okay. So there's a murder mystery involved, but it's a little bit a of sto- a thriller. People love thrillers. Yeah. So, but it's mostly a story about like just women trying to help each other through like rough situations, and I think that's kind of like a good, good kind of message for everybody. It's like try to help each other out when we can. I mean, there's a lot of horrible stuff going on. Pretty much all of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, everything's horrible. Like it's all <laughs> terrible. But we're here. We'll lift each other up. All right. That sounds pretty good. We're moving to warmer months here. April, April showers. What can you pick up? How about Blue Hour by Tiffany Clark Harrison? This one does seem a little heavier. But so the narrator is a gifted photographer, um, an uncertain wife, an infertile mother, a biracial woman in an unraveling America. So as she grapples with a lifetime of ambivalence about motherhood, Uh, Yet another act of police brutality makes the headlines. And this time the victim is Noah, a boy who's in her photography class. So she's really unmoored by the grief of a recent devastating miscarriage and Noah's fight for his life. And now she is starting to worry, like seeing this, that she can no longer chase this hope of having a child. And maybe like she no longer wants to bring a black body into the world. Because you're seeing all of this terribleness. Very valid concerns. Absolutely. Yet her husband, Asher, who is contributing white Jewish genes alongside her black Japanese one for a potential child, he is still just desperate to keep trying. So throwing herself into a new documentary on motherhood that she's working on, and she's making these secret visits to Noah in the hospital, and then she learns that she is seemingly impossibly pregnant. 
So this is kind of like her moment of decision making and going through what she's feeling. And as the future shifts, once again, she has to decide like what she dares to hope for the shape of her future and really reading that and kind of understanding it from um, a black woman's point of view and a black mother of, I mean, what a horrible decision that is to make of, do I want to bring this person into the world who might end up getting murdered by police? Like you guys, hold up. We've gone too far. What the heck? That, that's like a real thing. That's a really like that's, that's a big problem nowadays and it's a legitimate fear that people should have. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have this kid that I'm going to love for my entire life and then they're going to get killed for doing absolutely nothing. I have to spend possibly. all this time explaining to them how to act around police because you might be at a yeah, you at like, a traffic stop. You like look at them the wrong way and next thing you know, some horrible stuff's going to go down for you. Anyway, so I think people should really, like Blue Hour might be one of those books that helps, you know, open up another window to people to understanding that they don't have. Yeah, I mean, this is not uh, this is not a small issue. Like people deal with this every day like growing up. So, you know, it's something you should probably have to think about, unfortunately, at some point. So Yeah. Well, what do you have for April? All right, so I got something that's going to be a little bit more interesting, possibly, here. Ooh. So I got Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Adej Brenya. I'm sorry. That's not a gorgeous name. It was gorgeous name. either way. Uh, so this one, it's a, a debut novel, but it's hotly anticipated because I actually got to admit, I kind of like the premise of this Okay. Um, so it's about two women gladiators fighting their <laughs> freedom within a depraved private prison system not so far removed from America's own. I'm loving it. All Dang, right. yo. I, I got serious like running man vibes from this whole thing <laughs> so loretta thurwer and hamara hurricane stack stacker are the stars of chain gang all-stars it's the cornerstone of cape the criminal action penal entertainment how does that not exist yet honestly I, I i'm honestly, surprised we haven't done that i can't believe it either i mean <sighs> this seems like such an obvious thing for this horrible society really to do <laughs> uh <laughs> So it's basically a highly popular, highly controversial profit-raising program in America's increasingly dominant private prison industry. What could go wrong with private prisons, am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the return of gladiators in American society. Basically, you're in this group. You travel from the countries um, from place to place competing in life defying battles and fights to the death and everything are you not entertained it sounds it sounds famous it sounds like they're already making uh, a show at stars about this (laughs) that sounds right um so basically thurwer is one of the best so she's only a few matches away from actually getting her freedom quote unquote oh you win your freedom if you're the best gladiator just like gladiators yeah like kind of like the suicide squad there man we're going to do a couple more and you're going to get out of here um her, they, her, and the other um, competitors, competitors are called links because if you're going to have a thing called the chain thing, you might as well right. just kind of keep the gimmick going. Um, but as she gets kind of near the end, she starts thinking about like what's it going to mean if she's like leaving these other people behind? What did she have to do to gain her freedom? Um, did she lose some of her humanity and all the things that she's had to do to get this? And is yeah. it kind of worth it in the end? Um, so. She's it kind sounds of having, cool. Yeah, she's having questions, but then like the corporate ownership starts to kind of look at her and be like, well, we can't have somebody get away. So, yeah. 
It sounds like it's going to be a nice little bit of near future nonfiction for us here. <laughs> Stop. Um, I love it. I'm adding that to my list. Yeah. So it's a kind of a look at like the American prison system, why private prisons are a terrible idea that we're increasingly leaning into. Sure. And the almost definite future that we're going to have to look forward to. As Do you know that in private prisons, so, you know, because they have shareholders and they make the most money, they need to be at like 98, 99%. Um, occupancy so when people come up for parole like it's their time they will just deny them because they're like "Ooh, if they get out of jail we won't be at our 98 percent and we the shareholders won't make enough money this is this is absolutely true this is common practice so people are being denied uh, that a lot of small towns that actually employ this system because they can't afford prisons there have been a lot of scandals involving local police departments because the cops are getting paid off to arrest people on minor charges and throw them in jail correct so kind of prisons get more money so they put can to reach them. their quota geez i wonder what communities are the ones that they're putting oh this is everything is rough i'm gonna move on to a book that sounds nice Okay, Ready for through. May. Let's May see. flowers. And I am talking about better living through birding. Notes Ooh. from a black man in the natural world by Christian Cooper. I do like. Sound familiar? I do like birding. I do But the name? Familiar. Because when bird watching in New York's most famous park yep. one morning in May 2020, Christian Cooper was engaged in this ritual that's been part of his life since he was 10 years old. He loves watching the birds. But when this routine encounter with a dog walker developed into a tense racial confrontation, you know, this video um, of this incident would spark a firestorm pretty much at a moment when America's conscience on race was really awakening. And that just happened at this perfect time where a woman is screaming at him because he's sitting on a bench watching the birds i don't even know nothing more threatening to me than people bird watching it was just horrible but in this book he tells the story of his extraordinary life leading up to that now famous incident in central park and it shows a life spent looking up at the birds and how that really prepared him in really the most uncanny of ways to be a gay black man in america today um so from kind of like sharpened senses that work just as well at a protest as in a park um, and what a bird like the common grackle can teach us about self-acceptance. Common common grackle. You know, I want to learn that. Um, It really exalts in the pleasures of a life lived in pursuit of the natural world and invites you to discover them yourself. So I like books like this. So it's like equal parts memoir, travel log, and really a primer on the art of birding. And so you really get to hear his story and see what birds can teach us about life and anything about the natural world I'm always loving. So, yeah, it's like it it was a terrible incident that happened to him. But look what that led him to. Yeah. Like he he has a a book coming out and that part is amazing. He made a turn that into a total positive man and mm-hmm. uh, birding. I I've seen the movie The Big Year a million times just because like it seems like such a wholesome like non non offensive kind of like hobby. I don't understand yeah, how people you could just take sit birding. with your binoculars and camera and enjoy the beauty of birds because when you really start looking, I'm telling you like I'm not like a bird watcher, but it is fascinating. You're like there are so many different birds. Yeah, these things were dinosaurs at one time. It's I know, crazy to and think. they're like really, really beautiful, and a lot of them they're very unique looking. So yeah, 
Yeah, birding, man. Birding and terrible people in Central Park. Like, <laughs> we got two of the most common, <laughs> two of the most well-known things around. Super common place. activities. All right, so what do you have for May? All right, real quick, I'll get into this one. Uh, if you're looking for another version of Jerry Maguire, I know I am. That's where we got <laughs> Home Bodies by Tembe Denton Hurst. It's a debut novel about a young black writer whose life is turned upside down when she loses her job, her coveted job in media, and she decides to go on and write a kind of letter manifesto about all the horrible things she's had to deal with while working in this industry and on a daily basis. Word. So I'm not surprised at all that if working in that business, you would have kind of a lot of things. So she had this big media job. Uh, Mickey Hayward is the name. Uh, he has a big media job, glitz and glamour at all these kind of big parties and everything. And then one day the daughters decide, you know what, we're going to have to go ahead and get rid of you. So no. after having to deal with Shucks. this, being mad, because you know, it's not good bad at your job. Like, I'm really good at it. Why are you getting rid of me for no reason? Uh, she writes a detailed letter about the uh, racism and sexism she's endured as a black woman in the media. And while thinking that it's going to turn the world for the better, uh, the mel- it's kind of met with silence, which makes her feel even worse and gets even more enraged, which kind of leads her to kind of question other things like her friends, her friendships with certain people. Her relationship that she's in, like, why is nobody <sighs> related to these that's things that I said? That's too big a journey to go on. Yeah. So then uh, she's like, you know what? I need to go back to the only place that I can know. She decides to go back home to kind of get a idea of what that life is like. And, you know, it kind of turns a little sweet home Alabama in there. Because <laughs> then she, like, he meets up with the former flame. And she's like, oh, is my life a little bit better and a little better when it's, like, simpler? Do I really need this? Always that former thing? flame. It's always, man, that high school sweetheart is just I just always assume they grew a beard so they got way hotter. Well, beard and they're probably wearing flannel. I think that's the way that the fashion has gone for people since our day, at least. (laughs) They got beard, flannel. They may or may not have gauges in their ears. It's going to be a whole thing when you get there. Okay, I'm into it. So now we're running out of time. So our next category was kind of June and beyond um we we know how we know how bad we are at timekeeping we had a time it's true we have a few but i'm just gonna do why don't we just do one each of kind of this is the future but i had to mention there's a new book by colson whitehead who we are all big fans of it's called crook manifesto Mm. um this is kind of a longer description because it's broken down into three different years so in 1971 we've got just trash piling up on the streets crimes at an all-time high the city's careening towards bankruptcy, and a shooting war has broken out between the NYPD and the Black Liberation Army. So our character, Ray Carney, admits just a kind of nervous breakdown that he's happening. He's trying to keep his head down. He's got this furniture store that he's trying to keep going. Um, and then his days of moving stolen goods around the city, a little thing he does on the side, those are over. Because stuff is bananas now. Yeah, so there's a shooting war going on. It's usually not correct. A good idea. So he's strictly on the straight and narrow until he needs some Jackson Five tickets for his daughter. Mm. I mean, that's a high. That's a life it, or death right this there. Seventy-one, and he decides to hit up his old police contact, um, who's kind of like a fixer, extraordinaire guy. Um, but then that guy has his own favors mm. to ask of Carney, and sink, then staying sink. out of the game becomes really difficult. So now we're moving on to the next part, which is 1973. The counterculture has created a whole new generation. The old ways are being overthrown. But there is one constant, and that is Pepper, who is Carney's endearing, violent partner in crime. And it's 
it's getting really hard for him to put together a reliable crew for hijackings and heists and other assorted felonies. Poor guy. So Pepper takes a side gig doing security on a blaxploitation shoot in Harlem. And then he finds himself in this whole freaky world of Hollywood stars and up-and-coming comedians and celebrity drug dealers. That's a whole other thing going on. And then we're going to move to the final bit, which is 1976. Harlem is just burning, block by block. The whole country is gearing up for these bicentennial celebrations. And now we look back to Carney. He's trying to come up with a a July 4th ad for his store. Um, And his wife is campaigning for her childhood friend, who's this former assistant DA, and then there's this fire injures one of Carney's tenants, but so he much, goes man. to find Pepper to investigate it because he thinks there's something going on behind it. So it's really about this crooked duo and them battling their way through just a crumbling city. Everything's already run by shady, violent, and utterly corrupted people. Where do they fit into this? You know, how do they figure their lives out? It's Colson Whitehead, so you know it's going to be dope. So keep that one on your radar. Radar Crook Manifesto. It, I, I'm amazed at how often you hear people talk about how they wish that the old New York would come back. And I'm like, they have it, no idea what they're talking like, about. Old New York seems like an absolute nightmare. I don't. Know you what just want to see old New York at the Chelsea Hotel. That's what you want to see. Yeah. Everything around that you don't. Never mind the entire rest of the city was a dumpster <laughs> fire, literally. As, Correct. As you're wading through garbage and. Like episodes of The Deuce are getting filmed in the background. Also not great. Do you want to throw in one more? Yeah, uh, I'll go with All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Solid title. Uh, It's a great title, man. Uh, Titus Crown, the first black sheriff in the history of Charon County. He's a former FBI agent and security expert, but he decided to come back home to take care of his father and look after his troubled brother. He's like, hey, man, while I'm here, why not run for sheriff and run things to see if I can make it a better place, especially for my black community? So he runs and he wins. Oh, all good. Like what's the thing? story's over? Yeah, <laughs> nothing really to worry about. But then a year after his election, a school shooting rocks the town, oh, where a beloved yeah. teacher is killed by a former student, and then Titus has to de-escalate the situation, get the boy to surrender. But then one of his deputies fires a fatal shot and kills the kid. Oh, man. Uh, story, I can see where this uh, is going, uh, sure. You, you would think so. But then it goes when they got in the investigation, it becomes clear that the student that had been shot had been abused by this dead teacher as well as an unidentified <sighs> perpetrator. And the trail of bodies leads, uh, or this trail leads to a bunch of buried bodies and secrets in the community that they've been trying to... Uh, Keep down. Wow. So then Titus tries to track down the secret killer. So then he's trying to balance his duties as the sheriff to uh, his duties with getting these, like, you know, going after this hidden killer. And because it's the South, he's also got to do crap like uh, he's got to um, protect uh, Confederate pride marchers. Uh, that's just one instance of his job as a sheriff. Got to be the sheriff. So, you know, it's kind of. It's something to think about, like, what's it like being a black man wearing a police uniform in America South, especially under this kind of sure. scenario? So there's a lot going on in this book, man. <laughs> These are the moments when I'm like, oh, my job's easy. Yeah, no yeah. problem. No yeah. problems here. I'm content. Yeah, I'm just going around slinging, <laughs> slinging some books and telling people <laughs> what they should read. You know, don't worry about it. It's going to be easier. Not so shabby. But yeah, so there are those are a lot of titles. Um, some of the... Far in the future ones won't be in the catalog yet, so I hope you made a note of them. And then as soon as they are, get your holds in and celebrate Black History Month through the year. But Jacob, 
What a bummer. We're out of time yet Holy again. Holy Can you believe it? Why don't you plug us up? So if you are looking for something to uh, read this February to celebrate Black History Month, you just stop on by one of our libraries. We got 37 all throughout Erie County. Check out our website to see the hours and which ones are open and which ones are closed for renovations and such because there are a couple, couple more yeah. with that right now. Uh, so don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what we got going on. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what we can do for you today. So here are a couple interesting facts. Do you know that the black population in the U.S. has grown by 30% since 2000? So it's risen from 36 million then to about 47 million in 2021. I'm actually kind of surprised by that, to be honest with you. I mean, it's true. You think populations in most places are shrinking, but not necessarily. More than half of the nation's black population, 56% of black people, lived in southern states up until now. Like oh, for, that was for well, a fact from 2021. Geez, I, I wonder how that all got started. And right? it's interesting because it was actually a historic low in 1970 of only 52%. Hmm. So, you know, black people are, seems are continually moving south. That's an interesting, that's, it is an interesting fact. Something to, you know, keep an eye on for the future, for sure. What state do you think has the largest black population? Montana. <laughs> <laughs> So with 4 million black residents, Texas is the state with the largest black population. I'm a little surprised by that, actually. Yeah, following Texas is Florida with 3.8 million and then Georgia with 3.6 million. Georgia I had, that was a contender to me. I thought they had it wrapped up. Denver, uh, Alabama. And I will say it's like different if I get into metropolitan areas because it's like New York City has the largest population followed by like Atlanta and things like that. But for statewide, those are the facts. Educational attainment among black Americans is on the rise. Nice. In 2021, 26% of black adults age 25 and older, which is about 7.5 million people, had earned a bachelor degree or more, which is up from 15% in 2000. Awesome. That's a great stat. And the final one is, did you know, 140,918. You know what that number is? That is the number of black-owned businesses. And the healthcare and social assistance sector, so we're going to include dentists and doctor's office, had the highest number of businesses with majority black ownership. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, they make up 27.5% of all black-owned businesses. I don't want to say it like this, but those are the kind of businesses you like to see communities and minority groups like get into because those are like big paying, they're like... They change communities. And they're certain they're super important for people. People like to uh, you know, experience doctors and talk to people that are of their own race. Yeah. So these are actually really excellent stats. It sometimes we're going in the right direction. Let's just fix up all the other stuff. But thank you so much for listening and hey, we will see you next time. Bye.